0: Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron, and this is Dan. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. I'm actually here.
1: I'm here, everyone. Oh, good. Just Yeah, because some people who are just listening, they got anxiety
0: yeah. Yeah. that, oh, he's not here. Oh, Cameron's doing his Anyway, go on. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're here. Dan's here. Last time we read is Feanor and his company settled in Middle-earth. Morgoth sent his forces, and although the Noldor were outnumbered, they succeeded in driving back the attacking orcs. Feanor pursued further, hoping to find Morgoth himself, but he was killed by Gothmog, lord of the Balrogs. His son Maedros was captured and pinned to the cliff by his wrists in a band of steel. Today we continue Chapter 13 of Quintus Silmarillion, beginning on page 108 of the 2nd edition. Now rumor came to the camp in Hithlum of the march of Fingolfin and those that followed him, who had crossed the grinding ice, and all the world lay then in wonder at the coming of the moon. But as the host of Fingolfin marched into Mithrim, the sun rose flaming in the west, and Fingolfin unfurled his blue and silver banners and blew his horns and flowers sprang beneath his marching feet and the ages of the stars were ended. At the uprising of the great light, the servants of Morgoth fled into Angban and Fingolfin passed unopposed through the fastness of Dor Daedaloth while his foes hid beneath the earth. Then the elves smote upon the gates of Angban and the challenge of their trumpets shook the towers of Thangorodrim, and maedros heard them amid his torment, and cried aloud, but his voice was lost in the echoes of the stone. But Fingolfin, being of other temper than Feanor, and wary of the wiles of Morgoth, withdrew from Dor and turned back towards Mithrim, for he had heard tidings that there he should find the sons of Feanor, and he desired also to have the shield of the mountains of shadow, while his people rested and grew strong. For he had seen the strength of Angban and thought not that it would fall to the sound of trumpets only. Therefore, coming at length to Hithlum, he made his first camp and dwelling by the northern shores of Lake Mithrim. No love was there in in the hearts of those that followed Fingolfin for the house of Feanor, for the agony of those that endured the crossing of the ice had been great. And Fingolfin held the sons of the accomplices of their father. Then there there was peril of strife between the hosts, but grievous as were their losses upon the road, the people of Fingolfin and of Finrod, son of Finarfin, were still more numerous than the followers of Feanor. And these now withdrew before them and removed their dwelling to the southern shore and the lake lay between them. Many of Feanor's people indeed repented of the burning at Losgar, and were filled with amazement at the valor that had brought the friends whom they had abandoned over the ice of the north. And they would have welcomed them, but they dared not for shame. Thus, because of the curse that lay upon them, The Noldor achieved nothing while Morgoth hesitated and the dread of light was new and strong upon the orcs. But Morgoth arose from thought and seeing the division of his foes, he laughed. In the pits of Angband, he caused vast smokes and vapors to be made and they came forth from the reeking tops of the iron mountains and afar off they could be seen in Mithrim staining the bright airs in the first mornings of the world. A wind came out of the east and bore them over Heathlem, darkening the new sun. And they fell and coiled about the fields and hollows and lay upon the waters of Mithrim, drear and poisonous. Then Fingon the valiant, son of Fingolfin, resolved to heal the feud that divided the Noldor before their enemy should be ready for war. For the earth trembled in the Northlands with the thunder of the forges of Morgoth underground. Long before, in the bliss of Valinor, before Melkor was unchained or lies came between them, Fingon had been close in friendship friendship with Medros. And though he knew not yet that Medros had not forgotten him at the burning of the ships, the thought of their ancient friendship stung his heart. Therefore, he dared a deed, which is justly renowned among the feats of the princes of the Noldor. Alone and without the counsel of any, he set forth in search of Medros and aided by the very darkness that Morgoth had made, he came unseen into the fastness of his foes. High upon the shoulders of Thangorodrim he climbed and looked in despair upon the desolation of the land, but no passage or crevice could he find through which he might come within Morgoth's stronghold. Then in defiance of the orcs who cowered still in the dark vaults beneath the earth, he took his harp and sang a song of Valinor that the Noldor made of old before strife was born among the sons of Finwë and his voice rang in the mournful hollows that had never heard before, aught save cries of fear and woe. Thus, Fingon found what he sought, for suddenly above him, far and faint, his song was taken up. And a voice answering called to him, Maidras it was that sang amid his torment. But Fingon climbed to the foot of the precipice where his kinsmen hung, and then could go no further. And he wept when he saw the cruel device of Morgoth. Maidras, therefore, being in anguish without hope, begged Fingon to shoot him with his bow. And Fingon strung an arrow and bent his bow. And seeing no better hope, he cried to Manwe, saying, O king, to whom all birds are dear, speed now this feathered shaft and recall some pity for the Noldor in their need. His prayer was answered swiftly, for Manwë, to whom all birds are dear, and to whom they bring news upon Taniquitel from Middle-earth, had sent forth the race of eagles, commanding them to dwell in the crags of the north and to keep watch upon Morgoth. For Manwë still had pity for the exiled elves, And the eagles brought news of much that had passed in those days to the sad ears of Manwe. Now, even as Fingon bent his bow, there flew down from the high airs Thorondor, king of eagles, mightiest of all birds that have ever been, whose outstretched wings spanned thirty fathoms. And stained Fingon's hand, they took him up and bore him to the face of the rock where Medros hung but Fingon could not release the hell wrought bond upon his wrist, nor sever it, nor draw it from the stone. Again, therefore in his pain, Maedhros begged that he would slay him, but Fingon cut off his hand above the wrist and Thorondor bore them back to Mithrim. There Maedhros in time was healed for the fire of life was hot within him and his strength was of the ancient world, such as those possessed who were nurtured in Valinor. His body recovered from his torment and became hale, but the shadow of his pain was in his heart and he lived to wield his sword with left hand more deadly than his right had been. By this deed, Fingon won great renown and all the Noldor praised him. And the hatred between the houses of Fingolfin and Feanor was assuaged, for Maedros begged forgiveness for the desertion in Araman, and he waived his claim to kingship over all the Noldor, saying to Fingolfin, "If there lay no grievance between us, Lord, still the kingship would rightly come to you, the eldest here of the house of Finwë, and not the least wise." But to this, his brothers did not not all in their hearts agree. Therefore, even as Mandos foretold, the house of Feanor were called the dispossessed because the overlordship passed from it, the elder to the house of Fingolfin, both in Elende and in Beleriand, and because also of the loss of the Silmarils. But the Noldor being again united, set a watch upon the borders of Dor Dolath. De and Angband was beleaguered from west and south and east. And they sent forth messengers far and wide to explore the countries of Beleriand and to treat with the people that dwelt there. So in summary, Fingolfin's host follows Feanor's towards Angband as the sun- first sun rises. Morgoth's forces retreat, fearing the light, and Fingolfin decides to regroup. When Fingon, Fingolfin's son, hears that his old friend Medros is captured, he goes alone to rescue him. He reaches the base of the precipice from which Medros hangs, and Medros begs him to kill him with an arrow. Fingon prays to Manwe, who sends Thorondor, king of the eagles. Thorondor lifts him to the high peak, and Fingon is able to free Medros by cutting his hand off. He begs forgiveness from Fingolfin, and the two hosts are reconciled. Aside from some of Feanor's sons who still believed kingship belonged to them. Yeah, this is one of my favorite stories in the whole in, in the whole book. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know so much of what we've read so far is just really sad and tragic, you know, it's just like people making bad decisions and suffering because of it and betrayal. And this is kind of, I mean, we've heard stories of creation and goodness, but this is kind of the first real, like, I think redemptive story where someone kind of, um you know, does this great deed in order to heal and repair and succeeds in this heroic act, you know?
2: Yeah. When you ask the question, how narratively can you reconcile, uh, these, these houses together because Fanor's kindred did, well, Fanor leading it, you know, did a a horrendous, almost unforgivable act of taking ships and then burning them, Mm -hmm. not even sending them back. Um, he left them for
0: dead really. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then how, how do you reconcile that? And you have two cousins, um, you know, two sons of their father who are brothers who come together. This is reconciliation of two cousins that then reconciles the households. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Beautiful.
0: It it is a beautiful description too, how it kind of describes how it was the thought of their friendship, their ancient friendship, you know, for ages they had been friends, like, you know, best friends,
2: ancient friendship. And it it says that he didn't even know that, uh, uh, it, like didn't have in his heart to burn the ships.
0: Yeah. He didn't even right. know that, but
2: still right. he wanted to rescue him.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I love that. I just think it's, um, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a really admirable character and it, it's kind of one of the first times we've really seen this. Um, it, it is funny because, you know, we t- talked about this, these horrible acts of Feanor and his, his people and there's kind of this awkward moment where Fingolfin shows up in Mithrim by the, like, by the lake and they're all back together and they're like, oh, we didn't think we were going to see them again, <laughs> you know? Uh, wow, I'm impressed. They, <laughs> we thought we'd killed them, but here they are and they're right next well, to us. a lot of them just
2: had shame for what happened and right, they didn't, right. didn't know like the burning of the ships, but they were too sh- ashamed to invite them over to their right. camp. You know, when, when he's praying to Manwe, he, he draws his bow, and it seems like he's praying for accuracy to end his life, yeah. right? Because he can't yeah. climb any higher. Right. So he's like, he's praying to Manwe, you know. He doesn't say these words, I I don't think, but he's praying so that Manwe guides his arrow and, yeah. and slays him.
1: Yeah. Um, Wait, where is that again? Oh yeah, Methros therefore, being in anguish without hope, begged Fingon to shoot him with his bow. And Fingon strung an arrow and bent his bow. And seeing no better hope, he cried to Manwe, saying, O king, to whom all birds are dear, speed now this feathered shaft and recall some pity for the Noldor in their need.
2: Yeah, so he's praying for something that's very specific and very, it's like, here's, here's what I think needs to happen. And he he prays for this thing to happen. What's amazing is that Manway answers his prayer in a much mightier way. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't even think to pray for that. Like, can you send me the King of in- Eagles, you know, to yeah. fly me up there. And it, it I, I didn't think of this beforehand, but there was a time in my life where someone was praying over me. And I was, I was worried about something that was pretty small. It was like, I hope I can make this video and it's not bad or something like that. And he was praying over me and he said, Lord, um, give Cameron, answer Cameron's prayer in such a big way that he doesn't even know what to pray for, but answer (laughs) like over, like be generous to him and just, um, show him your generosity. Like, as if Cameron prayed for something like very mighty to happen and and very new, and I thought that was such a beautiful prayer, like give give him what he didn't even ask for, give yeah. him more than he's asking more, for,
0: even more, yeah, yeah yeah mm. i i and part of it too, in reading it again, I was thinking, um the way it describes Manway answering the prayer it was it was actually like a series of things that were kind of falling into place before he even asked before um, Fingon even said the prayer, because he, like, Manwe already had his eagles Mm -hmm. stationed in the north to watch over that area and report back to him. Yeah. So they were there at the right time to intervene in this moment. But it was, but it's kind of like this interesting depiction of Providence where it's not necessarily that, like, something just happens in that instant, but um, it's like this subtle movement of Providence where, like almost like a butterfly effect of providence right. right where like these right. these dominoes fall in such a way where they happen to answer this prayer in the moment
2: yeah it's but not the, like the eagle just appeared out of nothing right yeah right, the eagle yeah. was preordained to be there from yeah. centuries past right um, for such a time as this for this moment with, you know being one of the reasons
0: can i add one more thing to our uh, discussion here i love this bit about so so fingon's just wandering I mean, you can imagine him like just, he's trying to find a way into the fortress because he thinks he's being held prisoner there. Because nobody really knows what happened to Mm Maedros. Exactly, they just know that he was captured and taken alive. So he's wandering around and he's beginning to lose hope. And the thing that he thinks of is, it harkens back to his ancient friendship. He he pulls out his harp and he starts singing. And I love this description here too, where it says that um, you know those lands, had not heard such a sound before. Like all they had heard (laughs) before were cries of fear and woe. And there's a certain sense where he's like bringing like a healing presence to the land itself who's just been like in torment under the cruel tyranny of of Morgoth, right? But he's bringing this pure thing, this like beautiful music and song. And um, that's the way that he's able to find who he's looking for and how he's able to kind of achieve his goal.
1: That's cool. So good. It's
0: super rich.
1: It's awesome.
0: I love, well, if you I like lo- what you hear, <laughs> no. Dan, Dan what good. are some of your thoughts? Uh, yeah, we've been talking a lot, but what are you saying? <laughs> um,
1: I, I mean, I'm still, I'm still stuck on the, the, the prayer. Um, that I mean, anybody who prays kind of knows that that's how it goes, right? You. You're in a moment of prayer and sometimes it's a petition for a very specific thing in a time of desperation. And other times it is just a kind of, you're asking for something that you think is noble or you think that you need. Um, and you ask it in, in a way that is like narrow and singular and God answers it in a way that is, Really left field and out there, and so like, recall some pity for the Noldor and their need is, he's he can't even envision what's going to come next, (laughs) right? And And in a
0: sense, he doesn't have he. I think he doesn't feel he has a right to ask anything bigger because he is like, yeah. Why would he? Yeah. Yeah. Why Why would he? he? Yeah. Yeah. He's like kind of a scoundrel himself in a in a certain sense. Yeah. He's got good elements, but like, um, he's also participated in this kind of mutiny against the Valar.
1: And he recalled some pity using birds that are like dear to him. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to use your feathered shaft. I'm not going to use your your bow and arrow. I'm going to use something even mightier than that. And it will be a bird, the most glorious of the birds. (laughs) Mm. How how big is 30 fathoms? I think a fathom is three-ish miles. So... What? 90 miles. Oh, <laughs> 90 miles? 90 miles. Yeah. What? Oh, wait, wait. A league might be three miles. Let's, let's Google it. Right. I get confused until All I found them you, in a league. You,
0: you look it up and I've got one other thought that I wanted to mention um, before we run too long. I, I love this oh, bit. Um yards. 10 yards?
2: Th- two yards. So two two yards. yards. I was that's thinking cool. of the league. Massive. Sorry, right. yeah. Sixty yeah. yards, so like half of a football field is this bird. A little more than half of
0: football.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Makes amazing. a lot more sense. Well,
0: well, the, well. Like a bird's <laughs> wingspan is different from like our. Like that could still. I mean, that's a big bird. It's a very big bird, but uh, <laughs> it's
1: like dog ears. <laughs> <laughs> 90 miles would be like a city. (laughs) (laughs) A
0: mothership. (laughs) Um, Just returning to the the figure of Medros, he was healed um, because of his strength and the hot life within him. Um, But I love this this bit too where it says, because he lost his hand, he lost his right hand, right? And it says he lived to wield his sword with his left hand more deadly than his right had been. Oh. There's just, like, this immense strength in him. And he, and as he recovers, he – I wonder, too, there's, like, kind of this strength that comes from the, um, the act of love that he was the, like, recipient of, of his friend. But also just, like, the – probably he has a deep, deep hatred for the, you know, this Valar or former Valar who killed his father and, like, made him endure the suffering.
1: Yeah, I mean, sorry, that it also speaks to me of just like he, he must have loved swordcraft so much. Um, there's a so when I studied rock music, I studied performance electric guitar, there, there was this uh pretty famous uh metal guitar player called Dave Kilminster, and um, incredible guitar player, he was. Right-handed guitar player and mastered the guitar, and then had some kind of accident or thing where he couldn't use his right hand anymore um, for right-hand playing, and so he learnt the guitar left hand. Oh my gosh, and, master- so and mastered it again, but to a greater degree. Hmm. Um, but it's because of the love of the craft of playing.
0: Right, right. that's a great and story. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so it's like it's not just like. It's, he must have just loved the the, the craft of the sword. Um, yeah, sweet. God bless Dave Kilminster wherever he is right now. He had he was like the most flamboyant. He had he always had these like really like nice like probably like thousand dollar shirts and really long, like straightened hair <laughs> and leather pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, guitar yeah. playing is just basically <laughs> so that's all you really yeah, need yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. You try yeah. now. <laughs> Not <they were> like... <laughs> much of a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, was, he was incredible to watch, but I didn't really learn as much as I wish I could have.
0: Uh, uh, any any final thoughts here yes okay well save them for discord um (laughs) if you like what you hear go ahead and rate us three simurals out of three follow us everywhere before the fellowship and send any comments or questions before the fellowship at gmail.com check out our youtube channel and join the discussion in discord um, actually really do. I, I've, I have some thoughts on this particular episode that i like to share in there. I think um, usually we don't say all that can be said about any of these readings, you know? So um, sometimes we occasionally pop in and just expand on thoughts we had. Um, you can jump into some of the disagreements that we have or chime in on that or bring your own thoughts or if there's anything that you thought you'd like to have heard more about, and we didn't really discuss, that's a great place to bring it up and see what other people have to think. So join us there. Links can be found in the description. And please rate us three Silmarils out of three. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard, The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien.